In the spring of 2021, Mickey Weems was diagnosed with stage 4 prostate cancer and was given 6 to 12 months to live. This episode was recorded in April of 2022. Hi, my name is Donna Blanchard. While we recognize that Mickey is dying, we'd like to welcome you to another day of his life. Hello, Mickey Weems. Aloha. <laughs> Aloha. Uh, what emotions are you feeling right now? Um, something today has really been striking me, uh, and I'm, pre- I'm prepping myself for it. I'm actually excited about it. I'm supposed to be in a fashion show on Sunday. Oh, Awesome. Well, you got the figure for it. <laughs> Thank you. I will be I Laal, the the god of the volcano who was displaced by Pele. Uh, that's 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 the uh, motivation for the outfit that was that's designed that I'm going to be walking with. And since I walk with a staff now, um, uh-huh. it really does help. It kind of adds to the to my presence. With that staff, I, I've been called Gandalf. Um, I go out dancing with it, and inevitably, someone's going to come up and start twirling with it. And I say, yeah, "Go for it, have fun with it." But uh, it honestly, it does help. So it is part of my mystique now, a part of my identity, and I really don't want to go anywhere without it because I never know when there's going to be a situation where I'm talking to somebody and there's no chairs around. And I need to lean on something and the staff is there for me. So the staff is like an extension of me and almost like a friend. That is so awesome that you get to be that character in the fashion show, that you get to be in the fashion show, that they get to have you in the fashion show and that you have this staff that you, (laughs) I just love that image so much. I, um, that's really cool. So uh, Mickey has prostate cancer. He learned about it a little over a year ago and was initially told that he may have six months to a year. And yet here we are. I'm looking at him. He's gorgeous and uh, looks, you look full of vim and vigor as they used to say. I mean, I looked up the word vim one time and it said <laughs> vigor, but <laughs> I'll go with it. It has a nice flow to it. Um, and how do you how do you feel physically right now? Okay, uh, there's no major discomfort. There is fatigue, but I have caffeine, and it kicked in, so I'm I'm doing well. Okay. I'm leaning in a chair that allowed with pillows, so I'm comfortable that way. I'm I am in no major pain. This I, I'm I'm good for this session. Awesome. I uh, there's some things I want to get to, but first I want to revisit a conversation that we had in the previous episode uh, to talk about spending time with loved ones, because this, this is a thing that you are just living a different reality than um, uh, people who are not going through the, the, the changes in your body and the treatments that you're going through. Um, You mentioned that uh, you, you want to spend time with your loved ones, but sometimes you just kind of have to power through it. You want to elaborate on that at all? Force of will. It's, it's pretty much what keeps me going. I've, and I'll do it sometimes step by step. I'll be laying in bed and I will not even want to get up. And I will, I will say out loud, Weems, my last name, I will say, uh, Weems, get up. 
That's all you have to do. All you have to do is stand up. All you got to do, just stand up. If I can do that, get myself in motion, usually everything works out. But yeah, it's tough. And when you make a schedule to see family, to see friends, and you know they're excited and you're excited to see them, but maybe at that moment, your body is like telling you you need a nap because I need a lot of those these days. Then force of will, you say, suck it up, buttercup. Get your ass in gear. And that that's what you do. Is it... <clears throat> I have you had to tell someone that you love that you have plans with that do you feel like people are understanding if you would say no I can't today I try never to say that <laughs> I had that feeling okay all right um but I will say I, I, I did to my brother and and to Digna I did to James and Digna today when I when I went to dinner with them um we um I knew that I had this coming up, this, the, this interview. And I said, um, excuse me, but I really do need to rest before the interview. And their immediate response was care. They said, are you okay with getting back home on your own? Because I ride, I ride a, a stand-up scooter. And I said, I'll be fine. I said, if, if you see me go off and all of a sudden I fall over, then yeah, come get me. But um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, the, 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 that's typically the concern is whenever I voice anything like that, the immediate thing is they don't think about themselves. They think about me. So that really does help. That helps out immensely. But a lot of times um, I don't want to interrupt them. I don't want to. I don't want the time to stop. And so let's, let's say that I'm massively uncomfortable, which does happen. OK, then I will endure it and they don't see it because I'm not letting them. It's not their fault that they don't see it. I'm not letting them see it. And so I will, I will once again, force of will power through it, but that is hard. <laughs> that is a challenge. And I'm happy to say so far, I've been able to pretty much meet up with that challenge so far. You know, I, this makes me think that we humans, uh, 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 I don't know if this is a generational thing. I think we're roughly the same age. I think that we, it's hard for us to say, no, I can't. I need a break. Can you help me with this? I need to slow down. It's difficult under any circumstances for us to do that. Um, so I just want to recognize that, that everyone should feel entitled to say, I need a break when you need a break. And, and yeah. it, don't um, be scared. they'll be scared to ask that because I think we'll all recognize care from our loved ones when we say something like that. But also I totally get what you're saying about uh, you don't, you don't want to miss out uh, on that time when you have it. Your, this, this is family who's visiting, who it, does it live on the Island? No, they live on, live in Austin, Texas. Yeah. So when you do have that time with them, it's really hard to go to bed. <laughs> I totally get that. It's, it's such a, such a luxury. It's such a, it's such a, a cool thing that, yeah, that, that I want to make sure I enjoy every moment of it. But part of it is my own obstinacy is my own stubbornness. As Dr. Laterer, my radiologist says, um, I, I've been disabled for 
eight months, maybe longer. Okay. And I've been on disability for almost that long. Um, but I never wanted to admit it. I only admitted to myself, I only realized actually that I was disabled a couple of weeks ago. It's a strange thing because that, that was for everybody else. You know, being disabled, no, that's not for me. Oh yeah, I'm I'm getting a dis I'm getting a I'm getting a damn disability check, but no, I'm not disabled. <laughs> I'm getting all these treatments and feeling like shit, but no, oh, I'm not disabled. You know, it's 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 this it's that kind of a mental game. Maybe it has to do with that force of will thing, not admitting the situation. But then I finally had my 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 come to Muslim Jesus moment, and I said, yeah, you know, Nikki, you are disabled. Get over yourself and realize these things because you're not doing anybody a favor by trying to pretend you're something that you are not. That's a big one. <laughs> but, but you also just said earlier that you're, you're on a stand-up scooter with your staff. So you're also <laughs> like Zeus. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> you're disabled Muslim Jesus Zeus in my book. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah just just uh, uh, uh full disclosure i am an irish muslim so um i have a tattoo right here on my deltoid that i will show to donna <laughs> of a crescent moon with a shamrock instead of a star to kind of show the but that the, both my both those aspects of my identity are part of who i am yeah and, and the, yeah the both of those those aspects are showing up in the way you're handling everything that you're going through right now your ability to share i think everybody with whatever religious tradition or or non-religious tradition spirituality or even atheism i've met so many ethical and cool atheists um everybody has a way of understanding how to see themselves in the universe and uh, and the first thing i had to do was i had to learn to forgive myself that was tough that was that was really tough i had to look at the things that i've done wrong and say yeah you did it you know that was wrong you shouldn't have but then to because the quran actually has verses about that for those of you who have sinned against yourselves do not despair of god's mercy that really helped <laughs> that helped me yeah um my catholic background also helped the, the mother mary all of that, 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 that never went away. That's, that is part and parcel of my spirituality as much as my Islam is. And I'd be a liar to say that it just went away just because I converted. That's part of it. Um, and we, we can go into the, my whole spiritual journey later, but we'll continue with the last Yeah, question. and I, yes, I'd like to. I, I have, a, so our producer, James Charisma, had a, um, had a question about, I, uh, not only do you have uh, to, to communicate with, with your loved ones, you don't want to miss out on time with them. Right. Uh, and that communication needs to be open. But also from your friends, sometimes there is a hesitation for, I don't want to ask too much of you. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I, I don't want to uh, uh, exhaust you or embarrass you or just not get it, I think, in general. What do you have to respond to for people like James and myself who have had those thoughts of, oh, I, I'm going to fall over what I'm saying because I'm, I'm on eggshells. Right. Um, don't be. I'll let you know. You, we, we know each other well enough 
where if, if, it's, if it's too much or if I need to change something, I know I can say to you guys and you will not get butt hurt that you're, you're going to be okay with it. Okay. So, um, um, yeah, for you guys, no big deal. Okay. Thanks, Mickey. James Charisma here saying, I appreciate that. And I love you. I love you, brother. Uh, I love you too, James. And James is just to show you what a bad Muslim I am. James is an awesome drinking buddy. <laughs> well, uh, I can, Maybe that's the that, Irish part. Actually. Coming out. <laughs> yeah, I'm that's sorry. The, that's I can attest to that also. And <laughs> we're all a little Irish sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Aaron Gabra. Yeah. James, did you want to add to that question at all? Or did I hit the. No, you got it. It was just essentially that I wanted to spend as much time with Mickey as possible, but also not wanting to get in the way of, of his own time um, with his loved ones, with his treatment, with everything else. Cause I'm sure that um, everyone wanted to, to see him as much as possible. And so having that hesitancy, but also wanting to be there. Can, can I explain something to you guys that may put this in, in, a, in a different perspective? Yes, please. Um, my abilities as a scholar are severely curtailed or severely limited compared to where they were a year ago. My ability to concentrate is been compromised. My ability to do scholarship is basically at this point non-existent. I just, I can't, I, I can't sit down and concentrate like that. The degree of concentration, those of us who are scholars listening to me, I think you understand. And, it, it's, and, and so I miss the pleasure of that. There's a pleasure in working with knowledge and in, in crafting the words and doing the research and, and, and citing. I love that, but it's now it's slipping away from me. So what do I have left? Um, I can still talk. I can still, I still have Blarney. I still have that gift that, that some, of, some of us Irish people have. Um, I can still make comments on Facebook and Twitter that I think might help people. And we're in the process of gathering those, um, myself and my friend, Mark McCaig. So um, my ability to make a difference in the world has shifted away from publishing things academically to, um, I don't know, how, how would you describe what we're doing right now, Donna? Uh, we're using your big old brain to, uh, <laughs> to to talk about the experiences that you're going through. And I, I hear what you're saying about academia. You still are a person who can hold a thought and dissect it through a long chain of a conversation. You, you are still that person. You still have that focus. And I, that, that may, those times may become shorter and shorter, I would imagine, but please trust that you still have a big old brain that's been informed by all the years preceding this one. And it re- so, so it's reflected in you. Yeah. My, my, nie- my niece called me Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> so Wikipedia is still happening. That's, that's good to know. Well, at, at the same time, with all of these 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 changes okay i don't want to call it a devolution or a um i don't want to call it something negative it's just different because at the same time that i'm getting stronger in other areas things are becoming really clear to me things are becoming perfectly clear to me in some areas where i feel like i have something really important to say like one of the episodes we will probably talk about genocide because that's becoming really clear to me as I, appro- as I approach what I call my deadline. Um, 
thing, important things to say that, that I want people to know, because the one thing I am sure of, and I'm 100% positive of this, the human race is going to face some serious, serious challenges within the next 30 years that we've never had to face before. And I'm not going to be here for that. I won't be able to help in, as, as a living person. So I'm constructing my life on what can I leave in terms of knowledge and advice and the wisdom that I've been gaining. And this wisdom comes from my ancestors as well. It's not just me. Um, but at the same time, I'm constructing myself. And this is going to sound kind of weird. As a person, as a go-to person in the spirit world that can help people if they ask me, if the universe allows me that. If the universe, so, you know, I'm, I'm petitioning the universe and saying, can I please come back and continue to help people if they need me and they ask me to. So I'm working on that. Um, I guess you call it the bodhisattvic ideal. I'm working on becoming that kind of person, but I got a long way to go because I still got a whole lot of faults to, to work out in my head. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, you've uh, described having one foot in each world. <laughs> That's the coolest thing. That Sorry, I guess I got loud again. Um, no. <laughs> okay. That is the fun part. Oh my God. I didn't know dying would be such a riot. Um, you got... <laughs> what i do i have i have one foot among the living and one foot is great is increasingly being among and on the other side that that other world i i sense my parents as if sometimes as if they're standing right next to me that feels incredibly good i sense my friends the same way it's amazing so have being that being in that position of the juxtaposed between both worlds, I have been waiting for something to come through from the other side that can be helpful to this side. And it's just now starting to happen, as you can see from my Facebook page, posts. That is starting to, that's starting to flow. But I'm, I'm still not, I still, uh, I can't tell when I'm doing that. It's, it's an intuition more than it is a reality for me at this point. But I was talking to my dear friend, Chris Warholic. He's a doctor from Kansas City who comes to see me. Um, and I, I explained this to him. I said, I, said I, I, I have this intuition, but I can't confirm it because I, I like for everything to the experiential. I want to know it, right? Um, he said, I've known a bunch of people who were dying. I've seen them in the process. He said, sometimes when I'm sitting and talking to you, you'll fade out. And then you'll come back. And I got all excited. I said, really? I was like, that is the coolest thing. That, that, that made me so happy to know that that, that is actually happening. You know, because it's one thing to intuit it. It's another thing to get confirmation. But as with so much, the confirmation can't come from me. I couldn't get the confirmation on my diagnosis by myself without these wonderful doctors and nurses and uh, technicians. That whole group of people that support me as, as if I were their own kin, um, that, that would not be possible without them. I could, I could not, the things that are coming forth from me, from me right now would not be possible without you and you, Donna, and James and Susan, bringing them forth as, 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 as the doulas. <laughs> so, uh, nice. yeah, it's, 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 it's a group effort that's 
literally, and I do mean this 100%, is keeping me alive. I think that I would have like just said, okay, time to go and like checked out. That's, that's something else I should explain to our audience. Hawaii allows people who are terminally ill to choose the time of their death if they so choose. I have made that choice and I will show this to you, Donna, James, and Susan. My, my, my listeners, this, what I'm showing them is a turquoise bag. And in the turquoise bag is the, what's called the medication that when I take it will make me unconscious within a minute and will stop my heart within a half hour or less. Um, that brings me such comfort. I sometimes take this, this bag and I'll touch it to my forehead and I'll think about my parents. That brings me such joy. Um, because I don't know where I was going with that, but anyway, there was a reason why I brought that up. Um, maybe just to let everybody know where that, what was happening with me. And also to tell people who are in that situation where you know that you're not going to come back from this, that life is going to do this and you have to prepare yourself. Um, the state allows for this. Should you choose not to, God bless you. Fight all the way. You know, rage against the night. That's fine. I, however, am embracing it for several reasons. Um, but I also want to make sure that people know that that is an option for them. We're lucky that we have that option in Hawaii. I know a, lo a lot of other states don't have that option available to them. I'm, I'm just so moved that you find that comforting to have that. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Donna, <laughs> softy. <laughs> I am. Um, That's that. Um, I, it's just so refreshing to hear your um, understanding of what you're going through and the amount of peace that you have with it. And I think of the lovely image of the yellow daffodils that uh, lilies, you, the, lilies, sorry, yeah. that are you picturing the cancer within your body so you're you're making friends with it and living comfortably with it and um uh well, i have to wrap up <laughs> and i just want to say this is probably not the first time any of us are gonna cry <laughs> during this so thank you forgive me and um forgiveness not unnecessary so wonderful. Um, thank you for sharing this uh, and being so generous. I feel like we are the ones who should be ev completely generous with you. And then here you are doing that for us. Thank you so much, Mickey. And we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Aloha. Aloha. I'm Donna Blanchard. James Charisma is our producer. Susan Wright is our content advisor, PR agent, and support team member. Music generously donated by Kainani Kahaunaele from her Hoku Award-winning album, Waipunale. We're all here to support our friend Mickey and help him help all of us to learn about living while dying.